Proverbs 18. I want to read one verse to start us off this evening. It's verse 12. Before, the dest before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. But humility goes before honor. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we are ever grateful that though we are insignificant, even as far as the vastness of the universe, and though the psalmist has raised the question, what is man that thou art even mindful of him? We are told in your word that we are more precious than the sparrows that you care for, that the very hairs of our head are numbered, that you know all about us, even in our birth, we were intricately made. And Father, your love has been shed toward us in sending your Son. And Father, we cannot really comprehend, even as Heather shared about salvation, how a God as great as you would humbly look down and even care for us, let alone give your life that we might have life. And Father, we are grateful for that. And Lord, I thank you for the example of the Lord Jesus Christ that you give us in scriptures. And Father, tell us to follow after him and to walk in his love. And I pray that you'd help us to do that. We thank you for the privilege and the honor to open the word of God. And we come before you claiming nothing of our own to be able to even understand it because of our own intelligence. But Father, with dependence upon the Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you've left him for the believer and given us the ability to understand your word very graciously. And we pray that as we are confronted with this topic once again in the Bible and in the book of Proverbs, that Lord, you would bring it home to each one of us and that we would grow in our love for you, and that, Father, we would walk humbly before our God, and that you would use us to draw others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in praying for that, we pray for those who were here this morning that were not believers, that were exposed to the gospel, and we pray that you would help the families who had dedications of their children this morning to be able to have a follow-up with them, and that a number of them would come to believe on Christ. So Father, we thank you for this opportunity tonight, and we look to you to give us insight into the word, for we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Pride and humility, I appreciate the comments that Sandy shared tonight. Uh, we have been studying the book of Proverbs, and uh, after we began with our overview of the book. We have been studying it topically together as a congregation. And just to rehearse for our minds so we again get a sense of where we are, I had said with you would be studying five specific categories as we topically study through Proverbs. And that is dealing with our spiritual walk, our personal walk, our family life, our family, in all cases it's wisdom 
socially, how to have wisdom, and then even in our work that we are involved in. What we have covered is we covered spiritual wisdom. We spent a lot of time on the fear of the Lord. And in the area of spiritual walk or spiritual wisdom, we covered the fear of the Lord, we covered trusting God, and we covered prayer as it's presented in the book of Proverbs. And we have progressed to and are still in the second area, and that is the area of personal wisdom, not just spiritual wisdom, but then our lives personally. And let me remind you, we've covered a number of areas before we get into tonight's topic. We have covered the fool and the wise, just in a general sense, because personally we can be wise or we can be foolish, and from time to time we have either one in our life and do experience both, if we're honest. We have covered the topic of lying and what God thinks about lying. Then we talked about uh, improving our health and well-being. What really does the scripture say about health? There's such an emphasis on that today about physical health and watching what you eat and all the other complications and yet you don't find the Lord really paying too much attention to what he's eating and all of those things. And so what do the scriptures say about improving one's health, well-being, longevity of life? And we've confronted that. We talked about the importance of guarding our hearts and just how important our heart and mind is before God individually. And then the last two areas that we dealt with was anger. We have dealt with anger out of Proverbs. And last Sunday evening concluded our three-part series on alcohol and wisdom in using the use of alcohol and alcohol and what the scriptures have to say about that. And that leads us to tonight. We're still in the personal area of wisdom, and we're dealing with the subject of pride and humility, something that, again, affects all of us. So as we begin, let me give a brief understanding, <clears throat> both from the English definition that you can look up yourself and then from the concept of the various Hebrew and Greek words without getting into the full depth of the various words that he used. And let me start with pride. Uh, pride, in a bad sense, first of all, and it can be both, and I want to just pass a couple of comments on that tonight. Pride, generally, we think of it in a bad sense, and if you look it up in English, it would indicate it's an, in, an inordinate self-esteem. To be conceited is the way it would be looked at. But it's also used in a good sense, and it's used in a good sense. We talk about pride in the sense of delight, in the sense of pleasure, in the sense of delighting or having pleasure that develops from an act that is performed, or from a possession or a relationship that we have. Um, and I'll be quite frank about it because I'm going to be talking about it since the scriptures do mostly in a negative sense, but we ought to see believers that have more pride in a positive sense. And what do I mean by that? First of all, and we'll deal with it more when we deal with work, but you ought to have pride in the way you do things. You and I ought to have pride as believers that we do things with excellence. The world doesn't have that much anymore. There used to be a time, even you're in a building here, even with construction, 
that it was done with such great detail and such fine excellence uh, that worked. There was a lot of pride in the way things were done. In fact, we're living in New England, and if you drive around this area, you'll see a lot of buildings that have some detail that you won't find in other parts of the world, as well as if you're in Europe with some of the old stuff, the, just the craftsmanship that we talk about. And let me charge you young people and the older folks as well, whatever we do, we are told to do it heartily as unto the Lord. And that should result in a very high quality of our work. I don't care what you're doing. I know I shared with you with the situation, or I shared with some folks uh, when I went through with my son, that one point in the ICU, and there were a number of ICUs that he was in, but the one post-surgery, <clears throat> there was a, a black gentleman that was just cleaning up uh, all the soiled material and everything else and had an opportunity to, to talk with him, and he was a believer. And I commented to him on the, how much I appreciated the work that he was doing. And I'm telling you, he just bubbled with serving the Lord in a very meaningless and uh, to all general appearances. I mean, you get doctors, you get nurses, people with all kinds of degrees, and here this guy's cleaning up all types of stuff that we don't even want to talk about and think about, and this guy was just thrilled, and as I conversed with him, and my wife was there, he very clearly said that he was just rejoicing in the Lord, and he, was, he took pride in what man would look at as a very insignificant job, and so I encourage you, Men, ladies, boys, and girls, whatever you're doing, take pride in that work and, and do good quality work. We need that in this world, and we need to be seen. And, and as you're working as a family, no matter what the influences are that are around us in our society and how they're trying to destroy, in my personal opinion, the family and the concept of the family, you ought to be seeking to have your family that's different and one that honors God and one that has proper respect for mom and dad and, and the children and bringing them up and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We should have pride in that because we are serving the king of kings. And even the maintenance of our house. Now, in saying that, a lot of times people don't have a lot of income and can't do certain things. So don't go home and if you find out that your home needs painting and you can't afford to paint it or whatever. But you get the point. You ought to be taking pride in how you care for your home. And the way young people, the way you care for your room. If your parents tell you to, to take charge of your room, and I know with our children, one of the things that we have allowed them to do is to paint their rooms and to make it the way provided it was reasonable. You know what I mean? But take pride in that. Uh, that's a good thing. Take pride in in achievements, graduation. We ought to, you not get uh, overly proud about that, but there, we ought to encourage our people to achieve and to get ahead. You know, sometimes I see it among believers that when people are trying to succeed, they get put down more by Christians rather than be encouraged. That's backwards, folks. Paul said when he ran a race, he didn't run to lose, he ran to win. And he was using that as an illustration, I understand, but living for Christ. And so we need to understand that, uh, even in knowing people. Take pride uh, in, in the things that you do. So there is a good sense in taking pleasure. We ought to be taking, you know, the verse was mentioned, and I didn't say anything purposely, but 
Even tonight, Ron said, you to live for Christ, to die is gain out of Philippians, right? And of course, we understand if I die, I'm going to be with the Lord. So now I see him face to face. But to live is Christ. And, and out of that pleasure and relationship and love for the Lord, we ought to be looking to be excellent in everything that we do and to, to do it well is unto the Lord. And I think uh, all too often we don't even train our children that way and to strive for excellence. They don't have to be the best, but they should strive to be the best that they can be uh, for the glory of God. Now, having said that, because so oftentimes that aspect of pride is not dealt with, and since the scripture does deal a lot with the negative side of it, and in contrast to humility, and that is the point of our study, I did want to mention that, but I want to get to the other things. There are a lot of things that we should be proud of. But when you look at the Hebrew and the Greek and the concept uh, of the word pride, it is developed, uh, even in the Greek, from a compound word that has the concept to appear above, to make it very simple, uh, to manifest oneself above, to show oneself above another. Arrogance is the idea, and it's, and it's very closely related to the use of our English word, and it is found there in, in the language, uh, high-mindedness, that high-mindedness. And we find that it's mostly used in a bad sense. Now go with me to Luke chapter 18, because I want you to see it before we begin to talk about it in the book of Proverbs. Go to Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> and keep your finger there. <clears throat> but first, Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> Pardon me. Where's that water? Thank you. I appreciate a lot that the deacons, uh, the ushers, put this water up here for me. And for those who lead the singing, most of the time I like to sing, but sometimes if you see me not sing, it's not because I don't like the songs. It's because I'm trying to preserve my voice. Uh, but Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 9, we're very familiar with this, <clears throat> but here's an illustration of it in Scripture. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 9, he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and viewed others, and here's the key, they were viewing others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood, and I want you to see how he's, the idea behind these words, he's putting himself above another. And what you see here, the Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. You should be impressed with me, God, is basically what he's saying. He was putting himself above. That is a picture, scripturally, of pride at its peak. And I've appreciated very much what Heather said. And uh, I have even, this week, as a number of things have gone on, shared that with a couple of people. Don't you sit here for one minute tonight and think that you are not capable of doing what those people did in Boston. You would say, I did never Pastor Dan. You gotta be kidding yourself. You don't know the scriptures well and you don't know your own heart. Because our heart is so desperate, we could follow and we could get into that. 
God charged Israel with the fact that the day would come that they would eat their own children, and they did. And, it, you know, we would never comprehend that stuff like that could happen. And it's because of pride. But God in his grace has humbled himself and, and, and even to providing salvation for us. Go to, go, keep your finger here because we'll be back there. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, I thought we'd see that before we start bouncing through a bunch of Proverbs. But Romans chapter 12, uh, I think, gives the picture behind what we're talking about. Usually when the scriptures use the word pride, to put yourself above another. So I want you to see that, though you're familiar with it, how the Pharisee put himself above other people and put himself above this tax collector. Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, and I like the way the English is here, not to think more highly of himself, more highly, high-minded, than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each one a measure of faith. We ought not to be putting ourselves above. And if you look at verse 16 of Romans chapter 12, again, it says this, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. And you have very clearly in Romans there again, excuse me, the concept of what we mean with this pride. And that is, don't think yourself better than other people, and you should even be looking uh, to the lowly. So thinking uh, more of ourselves than others, uh, we couldn't do that, or we wouldn't do that, or I'm glad I'm not like that believer. And that can happen when we see a believer that falls away from the things of the Lord, rather than praying for them the way we should, rather than going to help them and lift them up the way we should, like it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, our tendency is to say, look at what they're doing. Look at what's happened in their life. And we kind of put ourselves above that, and we need to be careful with that pride. Humility, on the other hand, as we find it in Scripture, means not haughty. It means not arrogant. And the dictionary also goes on to say, it means insignificant. And then as we look at the words related to that, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word humility is related to the concept to bow down. Rather than to put yourself above another, it is the concept of bowing down. It is the concept of low lying. It renounces oneself as far as being sufficient. And that is the concept behind the words there. And since I related it, which the scriptures do on, on pride, to high-mindedness, we find in scripture that the concept of humility is related to just the opposite, and that is to humble-mindedness or low-mindedness. And since I told you to keep your finger in Luke, you got the opposite side of that in the illustration. So if you're still in Luke 18, now look at what you got in verse 13. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, even unwilling to lift up his eyes, he was bowed down. That's the concept behind when we think of humility in Scripture. And what have you got? He says there, he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful. I don't deserve anything. Be merciful to me. My condition, bow down, is I can't even look up at you, God. Be merciful to me. I am a sinner. And he knew it. 
and he recognized it. And in this simple parable, you have a picture of this whole concept that we're looking at here of humbleness and pride and the contrast between them. And then you know what the results are in verse 14. I tell you, this man went away to his house justified <clears throat> rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Contrast to that. But he who humbles himself uh, will be exalted. So what you've got there in scripture that we kind of look, looked at just as a definition of the meaning or understanding is the contrast between these two terms. So when I'm talking about pride, I'm going to be looking at it because the scriptures do that over and over in the bad sense while I encourage you. Thank you, Fred, for helping out with that. Actually, it's a good thing, isn't it? The sun's still up and we get the sun in our eyes. So it is a wonderful thing. All right, so let's talk about pride and let's look at it from the book of Proverbs that we're studying and we're looking at topically. So go back to the book of Proverbs and let's start by going to chapter 21 of Proverbs and verse 4. So understand I am using it in the sense of putting yourself above another, uh, being, seeing yourself as self-sufficient, when we, can't, when we talk about pride. Well, Proverbs 21, verse 4, let's see a number of things that the scriptures say in the book of Proverbs about pride. 21, 4, it says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked is sin. And you've had enough background now of how the Proverbs go together and so forth. And the bottom line, that's the equation. If you have haughty eyes and a proud heart, that is absolutely sin. Take it no place else. And we're not talking about it when it's used in a good sense, that you're proud in the Lord or, or that type of thing. But when you see yourselves as better than others, uh, that's one of the hindrances even to sometimes people coming to Christ, right? They look at their life and they say, well, I'm not like that person. You know, I don't do those things. And so God obviously has got to show favor to me. And they really never come to Christ. But it's sin. Another thing that we want to see from Proverbs is it says very clearly that this type of pride, God hates it. He what? Hates it. He doesn't just think, oh, well, that's okay. He absolutely hates this in man. Go with me to Proverbs 6. 16 and 17. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven that are what? An abomination to him. What's the first one? Haughty eyes, pride. Haughty eyes, a proud look. People that put themselves, and honestly, folks, be careful in your sanctification. Because in our sanctification, I'm talking about our daily walk, it is very easy if God is working in your life and the Holy Spirit's working in your life and praise the Lord, you're walking with the Lord right now and you see, as I said before, another brother or sister that's struggling, don't put yourself above them. Help them up. If you're really spiritual, lift them up. Encourage them. But be careful. Be very careful. Chapter 8 of Proverbs, verses 12 and 13. 8 of Proverbs, 12 and 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Watch this. Pride and arrogance in the evil way. So we've already studied the fear of the Lord. 
And the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What's there? Pride and arrogance. When we see it in our life, we are to hate it. And we all have it. Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Verse 5. How about this? Everyone who is proud in heart, what does it say? Help me. It's abomination. That's pretty strong. And again, not in the good sense, in the bad sense. When our pride, we're lifting ourselves up about others and see ourselves as more sufficient than others and achieving a lot more, and that's an abomination before the Lord. Surely he will not be unpunished. That's why it says pride comes before a fall, which I'll see in just a moment. So it's sin. It's something that God hates. Go with me to Proverbs 11, third point. Proverbs 11 says that pride leads to shame. Pride leads to shame. Pride leads to disgrace is what it means. Chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes dishonor. Obviously the contrast, but when the, with the humble is wisdom. So what happens with pride? That will result in shame in your life. Somewhere along the line, you will experience it and be shamed. You will find disgrace, and so will I, as that pride comes through. God will see that. It. Number four, not only is it sin, not only does God hate it, but talking about pride, uh, it leads to disgrace. Another thing that Proverbs points out, and we started with this one tonight, <clears throat> it comes before a fall. That is usually what happens just before, just when you think you're something special, watch out. It comes before a fall, it comes before destruction, and that was Proverbs 18:12 as we opened up tonight. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. Just when you think you're so cool, just when you think you're the man, just when you think that you're the teen, just when you think that you're the dad, look out. Look out because that pride is, can get in the way and you're on the road for destruction. And uh, chapter 16, chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. And I'm just sampling verses again in Proverbs. That's what we've been doing for the benefit of all of us as we're studying this and seeing what the scriptures say. In verse 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And I know you're familiar with the scriptures. You find that at the beginning of Psalms. You find it at the beginning of Proverbs, right? Hey, come on with us. Come along, and we'll get all kinds of things, and you can share in it and whatever. Well, it says stay away from them. Stay away from that type of person. That's, you're in for danger when that happens. So... It is something that comes before destruction. As I already mentioned, and the scriptures say this, the fifth point I'll give you out of Proverbs is that pride is one of the hindrances in coming to know God. Go with me to Proverbs 26. One of the hindrances in coming to know God. Proverbs 26, verse 12. See a man who's wise in his own eyes? More hope for a fool than for him. More hope for a fool than for him. And you look at the context. Someone who's wise in his own eyes, 
reminds me personally, I won't turn there, Romans chapter 1. Suppress the truth, think they're smarter than God, take God down from what he is, make him like man and beast and four-footed things, and man's wisdom ends up leading to destruction. Destruction. More hope for a fool. How is that in really coming to know God and the relationship with God? He is called the scoffer. A person of pride is oftentimes, and I could have done a whole study on this. It was interesting to see how many times in Proverbs the, um, the concept of pride was associated with a scoffer. In chapter 21 of Proverbs, let's look at that, chapter 21. Verse 24, proud, haughty, scoffer are his names, who acts with insolent people. Let me give you just one more. There's several of them. I won't look at them all. Go to Proverbs 13 and verse 10. Proverbs 13 and verse 10. Through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom with, is with those who receive counsel. Insolence, scoffing, comes with those, uh, nothing but strife. That is a scoffer. So you can see the picture that's being developed. This pride is sinful. It is hated by God. It brings shame. It brings destruction. It's not a pretty picture. It destroys families, listen, and relationships. You know, pride will destroy a husband and wife's relationship. Pride will destroy a relationship with, with siblings. Pride will destroy a relationship with parent-child. Pride will destroy a relationship with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Very clearly. Go with me to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. And verse 25. The Lord will tear down the house of the pride but he will establish the boundary of the widow. And you look a little bit at the context. He's not talking about a building there. It's the concept of the Lord will tear down that house of the pride and, and the arrogant. And, and you will find in the scripture it will absolutely destroy relationships when we are pride, uh, prideful and, and have that. Um, there's many other things in Proverbs, but I want to get also, with a few minutes that we have, also to the side of humility. But I will say this. The New Testament clearly says in 1 John that pride is of the world, the pride of life, and thinking you're in control of it. But more importantly, what I want you to grasp, everybody know, anybody know what James 4, 6 says about pride? Anybody? Look it up. Let's see if there's a test for your Bible. Somebody go look it up and tell me what it says. Come on. Somebody said it. He resists the proud. God resists the proud. And you'll find that in Scripture. Again, not in the good sense, but when you're putting yourself above others and you think more highly than you ought to think about yourself, your spiritual condition, your relationship with others. That's not what God wants. He resists that type of person. I won't get into it because I want to get into uh, humility tonight before we leave. 
And, uh, but I will say this, Nebuchadnezzar is a good picture of that in Scripture, Daniel, where Nebuchadnezzar, oh, look what I have built, look what I have done. The next thing you know, he's like a little animal going around and looking for scraps because God brought him so humble and our lives can change so quickly. What about humility? Quickly with humility, pass it in. It comes before honor. We saw that. Let me just, rather than turn back in Proverbs 18, 12 again. It comes before honor. If you want God to honor you, you want to see honor even in this world. Go with me to Proverbs 29 very quickly. Proverbs 29. See, a man's pride will bring him low. There's so many other verses that I didn't deal with, but that's the concept. But look at the other side of that. But a humble spirit will obtain honor. And it even talks in Scripture, don't even seek to be up there with the king. Let you take a lowly seat and let the king move you up rather than move you back. And, and the concept, concept that I'm trying to convey to you is it'll come before honor when you walk humbly. When you do your job right and you take pride in your work, but don't think of yourself as higher than somebody else, you'll be recognized. God will take care of that. He'll, and that's what the scriptures say, he'll put you before kings because of the abilities that God's given you. And we'll see that when we come to work again. It really is equated, if you look carefully at the Hebrew here, but in chapter 22, humility, chapter 22, verse 4, is actually equated with, in this verse, the fear of the Lord. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. He equates humility and the fear of the Lord. What it will result in is riches, honor, and life. And you may look at that and say, well, I don't know. I, I'm not getting too wealthy here. And, you know, I'm having trouble even getting a job and so forth. Well, lay up your treasures in heaven. Your riches are good. And God will take care of that. He recognizes that uh, in your life. But as you fear the Lord, you're going to hate evil. You're going to walk with God. You're going to walk humbly, and you'll get honor. Honor certainly in the eyes of God, and also uh, you'll find favor with other people. Humility does not seek its own glory, chapter 25. You want to know if there's humility in your life? It doesn't brag about its own accomplishments. Chapter 25, verse 27. It is not good to eat much honey, nor... Is it glory to search out one's own own glory? And if you want to see another comparative passage to that, go to chapter 27 again, because it deals with pride and humility, verses 1 and 2. It says, do not boast about tomorrow. You don't know what a day may bring forth. How have we visually seen that in Boston, in this area? Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Don't go around telling everybody everything you accomplished and name dropping with everybody that you know and everything that you're doing. That's pride. But walk humbly. Let others uh, be the one to praise you. Don't seek your own glory. It finds favor from God. Chapter 3 of Proverbs. Humility is what finds favor with God. Chapter 20, uh, sorry, chapter 3, verse 34. I got a number of verses here, but that isn't right. Yes, it is. 3.34. Though he scoffs at scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. It, you'll find favor with God when you walk humbly 
And the word scoffer there is the pride. Yet he gives grace to those who are afflicted, to those who are humble. It's illustrated in chapter 25 of Proverbs. I referred to it, so let's quickly go there before we close tonight. Proverbs chapter 23, uh, 25, verses 6 and 7. It is better that it be said to you, come up here, than for you to be placed in lower in the presence of a prince whom your eyes have seen. Do not go out hastily to argue your case. Otherwise, you will uh, you, uh, do in the end when your neighbor humiliates you. That's a pretty good picture, right? And if you go back to verse 6, do not claim honor in the presence of a king and do not stand in the presence of great men. You know, that's the concept of really name dropping and one of being associated with, you know, what does it matter in the eyes of man or what man thinks? Let God be the one to move you up. Let God be the one or a person of authority say to you, come up here and sit here and, and be there. Um, it is a better thing to pursue humility. Um, you receive more grace. You mentioned, I mentioned Romans, uh, sorry, James. I did mention Romans, but James chapter 4. James chapter 4, 6 also says that he resists the proud, but what's the rest of it say? Anybody? gives grace to the humble. That's the contrast. You want grace working in your life? You want more of God's grace in, the, in that sense, biblically? Walk humbly with your God. That's what the Old Testament called us to do, to walk humbly with our God. And I will illustrate it this way in closing. Um, well, two things I want to cover before we finish tonight. One is, it's seen in Philippians chapter 2. You have no better picture. I won't turn there but no better picture than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, right? What did he do? He humbled himself. Though he was God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself and became a servant. That's humility. We ought to be serving one another. But he humbled himself even to the cross, right to death. That's humility. He had the power to call down angels. He had the power to... <coughs> excuse me, still the storms, and he did. He had the power to have bread and fish multiply. He had the power to call down anything he wanted, and yet he humbly came to this earth and served us, became the great shepherd and laid down his life for his sheep. And he humbly obeyed the Father's will. That's an illustration of humility. One caution. Would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 2 for a second? So what's the point of this study in, in the book of Proverbs? Proverbs contrasts tremendously, way beyond what I've even said to you tonight, that God hates pride where we put ourselves above others, and he loves humility. He wants us to walk in a low fashion, looking to him, to do his will, but be careful. What do you mean, Pastor Dan? Beware of false humility. What do you mean by that, Pastor Dan? Well, rather than explain it all, let's see what the scriptures say. In Colossians chapter two, in 18. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and worship of the angels. Now, obviously that was wrong. Take his stand 
on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. And for time, jump down to verse 23. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion, self-abasement, severe treatment of the body, but have no value against fleshly indulgence. And you look at that passage closely, and I skip what was in between. But what you've got is even uh, people going back to taste not, do not. And you know what? That's legalism, folks. And that's what happens in Christianity. That's false humility. That is where you think you're better than somebody else. Remember as we just covered alcohol? You think you're better than somebody else because I would never do that. You think you're better than somebody else because I would never listen to that. I would never go there. And we put ourselves above even other believers. That's false humility. True humility humbles ourselves before God and says, but by the grace of God, I would be there. But by the grace of God, I would be doing that. And God help me to keep my eyes focused on you. Not from merit in my sanctification, but in my love for you out of humility because I want to walk with you. Because I love you. And because you first love me. I thought of one, and I'll close with this, one illustration in the New Testament that caught my heart and mind as I was doing this study, <clears throat> and that was simply the centurion. Remember the centurion? He said, I'm not even worthy to, for you to come in my house. You just speak the word, and I know that he'll be healed. And you know what the Lord said in that context? I haven't seen such faith and humility anywhere. This man knew authority, and he knew who Christ was, and he didn't even feel with Christ's reputation that his house is even worthy for Christ to come into. Just speak it. I know it'll happen. And that's, that's, that's humility. Humility depends upon God. Humility is Job. Naked came I into this world. Naked, I'll go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's got the right to do anything he wants in our life. Think about the things that we get so upset about as, as believers when trials and tribulations comes, when things don't go our way, and the pride that sets in. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. <clears throat> don't esteem ourselves. We ought not to esteem ourselves above others and have a haughty spirit a proud mind that we're better than anyone else because we're not. But we're to walk humbly with our God, depending upon the grace of God day in and day out, even to do the will of God. You're able to read the word of God. You're able to walk with God. You know why? Because of his grace. You know why? Because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You know why? Because he holds you up. Because I am held up by his grace. And that's all. My God help us to be people that, and that is something we learn. I appreciate again what Sandy said tonight. And you know what? The minute you think you've arrived, watch out because you haven't. And, and God has more lessons for us in that. My God help us to be humble people as we walk with God and not proud in the wrong sense. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we know that certainly your scriptures from cover to cover <clears throat> deal with this subject in depth. Father, we have only scratched the surface. But Father, it's a reality in all of our lives. We often think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We very infrequently bow down and bow the knee and bow our heart to your will and to even others. Father, it's a tendency that when you gift people with leadership and you even put them in office that we can think of ourselves more highly than others. But Father, every member of the body of Christ has been put in the body as you see fit, gifted as you see fit, not one above the other, but just with different responsibilities. And help us to walk humbly with you. Help us to take pride in the good sense of whatever we do, do it heartily as unto thee. But help us, Father, to continue to depend upon the grace of God and allow you to get glory through our lives, not to seek our own glory. And help us to look for ways to serve others, to be a humble servant like Christ was. And even whatever gifts and talents and abilities you've given us, help us to use them for the glory of God, that your name would be lifted up. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.